0: Welcome to Unexpected Points. I'm your host, Kevin Cole. I'm joined today. I was just saying uh, earlier, I'm joined. This is DAC Day, so I'm so lucky to have RJ Ochoa here. He is the editor-in-chief of Blogging the Boys, an SB Nation blog on the Cowboys. He's been making the rounds. So I'm glad he could make some time for me today. So, emotions. I want to talk about emotions first, this emotional day. Uh, where do you stand on the relief slash excitement slash Maybe even dreading a little bit of having to hear about this contract and how it hampers the team whenever anything goes wrong
1: uh in perpetuity well, Kevin, appreciate you having me uh relief's a great word I think um like the first word I thought of was peace um and you mentioned dread I'm kind of like hyped for the dread, you know what i mean like we've <laughs> okay. we've had the we've had the you've been same through the battles ar- you've been right, through right. the battles exactly like we've had the same arguments already like for two years now, and why he's worth it, how he's better than uh you know quarterback x quarterback y and a lot of those arguments have really aged well over time especially you know Carson Wentz is is kind of i think the the case in point um and so now i'm i'm excited because i kind of feel like um You know, like you ever have like a a group of friends like that everybody got like a like I don't have a PS5 been on the hunt forever. And um, but like when when I got a PS4, it was kind of like, oh, I understood like everything my my friends were talking about. like This is super cool. I get it. And so now, like I saw the report on the day we're talking that uh, the Baltimore Ravens are working through the Lamar Jackson discussions. Well, That sucks. Been there, done that. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm happy to be on this side of the discussion, Uh, but there is an overwhelming sense of peace because um, in a very unique situation like this one, I think there was this, this sense that maybe this would have gone to the point that, that Dak would have not been a cowboy in 2022. And that was, that was really going to, I think, impact the way a lot of people root for this team, which would have been interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty precarious uh, it, along this lines. I mean, it was kind of the path of least resistance to get here, uh, just being able to say, you know, we're just going to do a franchise tag. We're going to do another franchise tag. But a lot of things came into p- to place to now get this long-term deal. I mean, let's discuss the details here. Everyone wants to know uh, the dollars and cents. Now, most people probably know, have heard of this here, but we're talking about, you know, $40 million a year, a four-year deal, $126 million in guarantees, which is – the biggest that we've seen here, I think uh, Deshaun Watson got $112 million in guarantees. The amount of money that DAG's is going to earn over the next three years I think is really interesting. That's basically the guaranteed amount. And when you think about that versus Deshaun Watson's contract now – He's going to earn, I don't know, something like 70, 80 million over the next few years. Mahomes is only going to earn around 60 million over the next few years. So, this is really comparable to like a Russell Wilson type of deal that we saw before, a veteran contract deal, a lot of money up front. Um, Is there anything that Dak could have wanted that he did not get as part of this deal?
1: I don't think so, and and I think I mean you're you've only discussed the the deal that that is now in place, right? He got right. you got thirty one point four million dollars last year on the tag. I mean, so mm-hmm. if, if you look at it from that perspective, I mean, he got over one hundred and fifty seven million dollars guaranteed, and so um, yeah, I, I think you know we we've kind of been exploring this angle that Blog the boys like who won, and I think you know the Cowboys win in that they have a, a top five quarterback for the foreseeable future, and and ultimately that's what matters here. But but Dak did win, and I know as you do that everybody has likened this. Situation to Kirk Cousins, and and I think Kirk won too in that he got the fully guaranteed deal in Minnesota. But Dak had a, a higher point of leverage in that he, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Kirk, and I know you guys are as well. Um, in that he's just a better quarterback. I mean, he he wielded more power, more leverage in that sense. And so, I mean, this this worked out incredibly for him. And I think that it, again, it, it was things that kind of went beyond his control, beyond the the obvious, beyond the measurable, beyond who he is as his own in his own merit. Carson Wentz regressed, Jared Goff regressed, and their teams gave up on them, which further cemented this idea. Um, Beyond that, Dak obviously got hurt, and and the idea of how important he is at the Cowboys was really on full display. And I I don't know if you would agree, I think the national narrative – you and I spoke actually this time a year ago uh, about Mike McCarthy, and I mean – a year ago, I think people were still debating, you know, he's he's not better than, you know, whoever it was. But I do think that that now I think it's well understood that he's he's in that group, however, you know, what number you want to put on it top five, six, seven. But he is part of that that sort of sector of quarterbacks. And and so in that sense, I mean, it was impossible not to give him everything he wanted.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have to go back to 2019. Uh, when, so, you know, he came in as part of the 2016 class, which also included Ezekiel Elliott, which also included, uh, Jalen Smith. Those two guys got their extensions and that's the earliest you can extend someone is after those three years. Right. Um, I believe it was that same off se- season, uh, DeMarcus Lawrence got his big deal. And then, you know, what were they going to do with deck? And I, I think that was when the discussion first started, obviously, when you could first figure out if you're going to sign him or not. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple of colleagues under the bus here. Cause I remember that's around the time that. I was getting into it at at PFF, and I think Eric Eager and George Chahuri, a couple of guys here who were, do the PFF forecast, they were very skeptical of signing Dak to a long-term contract. The thought being, um, I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but it was like, do we know Dak Prescott is a top eight-ish sort of quarterback? Do we know he's a difference maker? If we don't, then you 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 know you, you play out that fourth year, you maybe do a franchise tag, you keep on going, and you see what happens. Uh, yeah, I think that sentiment is gone now for, for most people. I mean you you know, you live in the reply land of Twitter, <laughs> so I'm sure you're still getting lots of people who don't believe Dak is there. But the you know, the last year he he played well. This year from an efficiency standpoint, he actually probably wasn't as good as some people think. But sure. the volume was monstrous. And and if anyone was, quote-unquote, carrying the team, you could say that that offense was, was carrying the team with what was going on this year. And the fact that Andy Dalton, who I think most of us knew was a limited quarterback, um, who came into – the same situation. I mean, there were some problems in the offensive line. There were some other things that were going wrong there. Looked so bad, and the team was so bad without him. All those things, I feel like, wrapped up together to really boost his standing, where it probably is the highest it's been since post-rookie year, Dak.
1: Yeah, I think there is so much here, and and that's why I'm glad we're we're having this discussion and kind of fleshing it all out. Um, to your point, in 2019, Zeke gets his deal after he holds out, goes to Cabo, as everybody well knows. Jalen was kind of this surprise, and at the time, that was coming off the 2018 season when Jalen had played really well and really justified the risk the Cowboys took on him. Um, next to Leighton Vandersh, Esch, who had that great rookie season, hasn't been the same ever since, and so nobody had a real issue with that deal. And and I think that that's the way to do this. Like, and and I none of the level of this is I don't fault the Rams or the Eagles for the Jared Goff or Carson Wentz deals because had those quarterbacks hit they would they would look like bargains right now. And I so in that sense I applaud the Cowboys for being proactive just like they were they signed Lyle Collins that offseason as well. But you mentioned DeMarcus Lawrence, they had just applied the second franchise tag to him that, that offseason. They made him play out the 2018 season on the tag. They tagged him again in 2019 a very similar situation to the stack Prescott one and he needed shoulder surgery that offseason. He threatened not to get it until you know he got a deal which would delay his obviously start time for them and so they caved they blinked with him they blinked with zeke and they suddenly developed these like moral principles when it came to the quarterback which is you know fundamentally not sound in any way but still it's the way the cowboys chose to operate and i think what's more is is like the narrative boosted all of the data right because to your point he's this that and and i think another aspect is Dak started playing incredibly well. The moment he started operating on one year deals, 2019 was the final year of his rookie contract. He was incredible. Those first three games, granted they were against New York, Washington and Miami. And so, you know, then, then you, you get to this point where you ascribe the faults and the flaws of the Cowboys throughout the end of the 2019 season to Jason Garrett. Right. And then, you know, he's gone. And then the Mike McCarthy thing really kind of boosted the narrative once more. And then obviously he gets hurt. And I think a, a tipping point was the Cowboys lost to the Arizona Cardinals on Monday Night Football, it looked like a disaster this past season, their first game without Dak, and obviously that really kind of changed the conversation, and what's more is we have said for years that Dak is a, a really great leader on the Cowboys and people have had a difficult time quantifying that uh, but the week after the Cowboys lost to Arizona they went to Washington and just got destroyed by that incredible defensive front and that was the game that Andy Dalton got hurt and you'll recall it was a big story no Cowboys offensive lineman got in John Bostick's face and that really kind of accented that 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 difference and so you had all of this you know data and objective fact that supported Dak Prescott as this franchise quarterback and now was so crystal clear that the entire team just kind of quit without him and so that really kind of got us to where we are now which is why I think was a big factor in the Cowboys ultimately blinking
0: yeah I mean 2019 okay I could get it for a couple of reasons why the Cowboys may have may have passed at that that point in time uh like I said the reputation was not there um I mean I I have a higher reputation of Dak now than I did back then despite the fact that he, he performed better if you take into account the rushing value that, that, he, that he, he had been generating his first few years. He's not a Lamar Jackson type of guy where you say, oh, sure. he's going to rush for 1,000 yards or something. But he's picking up critical first downs, critical short yardage situations, and being extremely efficient there. And that's something where in these metrics like QBR that really enhance he, – he was you know, a top-five quarterback multiple times those first three years, which is surprising. You would have thought it was just that, that rookie season. So I can see that. The problem was last offseason. And the negotiations that went on there, um, well, one other thing about 2019, I can see also why they passed because he had a $2 million cap hit in 2019. So if you extend them, like you're not, you can't get under that. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're going to be, you're actually going to be increasing your cap hit and teams don't like to do that. And, you know, one of the reasons that we're seeing the timing that we're seeing now is because they want to get that cap hit down and use some of that, be able to have some of that money available. But last season, this whole thing that really the four years versus the five years right. and the other things. Like, what happened last off season? Because that just seemed like the time that you had to get it done. Because you could see this coming. You knew you were dead if you let this go on and um, a full year and play out the way that it did. So, so what happened then, from your perspective?
1: You know, I think it was a mix of hubris and arrogance. I mean, honestly, and and I know that that sounds impossible, but... Um, oh, I, Jerry I, Jones, we're talking <laughs> about Jerry Jones, the Cowboys here, but yeah, go right. ahead. But to that point, they've, you know, pe- people love to say... Uh, Jerry Jerry always gets the deal done J- like you know we're at free agency time of year so people say oh Jerry you go spin big in free agency it's it's what have you been watching like that's right. that's not who this team is the, the the last big name free agent they went out and got where they spent big was Brandon Carr and that was almost a decade ago and so they operate very differently and they're very frugal and they're very cheap and as evidenced you know they went all the way to the 11th hour with Demarcus Lawrence they went to the 11th hour with Ezekiel Elliott you know in, in terms of the clock that Zeke accelerated and so they had to blink and so so, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think that they really believed you've seen, you know, all the discussions over the last two years as well, that, you know, the Cowboys brand was, was a factor, right. You know, playing, playing for the Cowboys is different, you know, monetarily than it is playing for whoever else. And so, um, and in that sense, I think that that narrative has worked against them as well. Like, like Patrick Mahomes has become this superstar in Kansas city of all places. And so all, all of the the kind of uncontrollable things have worked in Dak's favor as well. Um, and I, I think that, you know, the Cowboys are, are very poor at projecting, Projecting the market, they couldn't project it when it came to Demarcus Lawrence. They projected it incorrectly when it came to Zeke Elliott, and and that was, I think, a really important moment for the Cowboys because I I don't know if you would agree, but I think this the the running backs don't matter movement has picked up a lot of steam in the last like three to four years specifically, and it may not have been as loud um, from a social media standpoint in 2016. And so fine Cowboys, you you want to make this, you know, move of drafting Zeke, but doubling down on that three years later, wasn't wise. And I, I think that in that moment, a lot of Cowboys fans begin to worry, you know, from the perspective, okay, this, this is a team that really doesn't get it, and so and and we didn't even mention. I mean, Byron Jones was coming up. They they literally they they let Amari Cooper hit free agency last year. That actually right. happened, and so they they kind of let this alt. And there was the two tag situation last year that was kind of hovering out there, and people thought they would use that to, to their benefit, but that was just something that sort of showed up in the last year of the CBA. And so I think they they thought they would, you know. They would out bully, out you know, kind of intimidate Dak Prescott, and and I think Todd France understood. He understood that the pending franchise tag values once Dak got ta- that was it. The moment Dak got tagged last year, the Cowboys were going to have to reach forty million per year and over one hundred and twenty three million dollars guaranteed, and that that you know. You're you're very smart and very astute, you know, much more than I am. And let's th- th- not that far. But this isn't, you know, this isn't like quantum physics, right? Like we didn't crack some code. Like this, these numbers and these values were like open and available, and and it was easy to do this math. The numbers that Dak Prescott could make over the coming years, and what's more, is this, you know, this trailblazer was already out there in the Kirk Cousin situation, and they just kind of ignored that. And I think that they they procrastinated. They thought it would go away, and I also think that they are limited in their understanding. Um, last May, Stephen Jones did an interview with Mike Florio. And obviously this has been a subject that has been talked about for a long time. And he was asked about the DAX situation. He said, well, you know, there's all sorts of analytics. You know, you know it's the buzz word in the NFL. So there's all sorts of analytics that support if you pay your quarterback over a certain percentage of the salary cap that you can't win a Super Bowl. And in that moment, I think a lot of Cowboys fans panicked because – Steven, this, like, this isn't even analytics. Like, this isn't even coincidence. Like, this is, this is just yeah. a thing that you're saying out loud. And so I, I think it, it was this combination of misunderstanding, of hubris, of arrogance, and, and really underestimating Dak Prescott and, and the lengths that he was willing to go to to get what he wanted.
0: Yeah, that 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 number is like the bane of, of analytics guys' existence because it's basically saying, uh, what was Tom Brady's biggest cap hit? And let's add like 1% to it. And that's Correct. the number for some reason because Tom Brady wins all the championships. So it's kind of hard to, for anyone else to get in there. But yeah, I mean, the whole thing about whether or not, I mean, there's obviously a point that a quarterback sure. is like you can't pay him too much money. But, you know, some people will look at, Carson Wentz, and they'll look at Jared Goff and they'll say, these are reasons why you don't pay the quarterback. But in my view, you know, I look at these guys and I say, you know, you made an early commitment to both, right? You made it after the third year. You had the fifth year option. You had this long window. I mean, how much damage did the Eagles really do by by signing Wentz? Yeah, they, they paid out a little bit extra more money than they would have had to, um, but they could have ended up in this situation. Um, and, the, and they traded him and they got draft capital back for him. I mean, and they, and they got rid of him and golf, you know, is it, not ideal, but, uh, you know, they were a team that was competing. They were a team that was in the playoffs this year. They could have been a team in the playoffs next year. Um, I think people kind of underestimate how you can get out of these contracts, as long as you're willing to take a dead money hit a couple of years into it and you don't, restructure. You don't restructure these deals a couple years down the road. Dak Prescott's probably gonna be probably gonna be headed there like Tony Romo was many times before. But I just feel like teams are sometimes it's supposed to be less aggressive to say, we're going to let this thing play out and see what happens. We're not going to take a risk. But in a lot of ways you you're risking that the player plays well and then you know you're 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 in trouble for a long time now with this Dak deal. And that's one thing I want to point out is that he was able to get the four years you know, there's no, there's no extension on a fifth year option and everything else. It's not a six year window like it was for these other guys extended after three years, four years from now. So that means three years from now, because there's no, you're not going to franchise tag him again. No trade clause three years from now, you're going to be back negotiating with Dak Prescott again for another huge signing bonus and another big extension. I mean, this is something that could affect the Cowboys for the next decade.
1: Yeah. And I think I, I agree with you so much. And I think Um, the weird point of contradiction is, is like, and and you get these like fans, right. The fans of the Rams, the Eagles or whatever that, you know, you're almost like you don't realize it, but you're rooting against the player, right? Like in, in, <laughs> yeah. in say like you're like, so you should you should envision the vision, the best case scenario. And so in that world, like what's the best way to operate? And so the lone the mistake, I would say that the Rams franchise has made recently is paying Todd Gurley. And I do think that that opened this like Pandora's box because all of a sudden Zeke like gets paid and Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. But it again, it was smart. And to your point, if you are creative enough and we've seen this with the Eagles twice over, like in regimes from the Chip Kelly era. If you're creative enough, you can get out of anything you want. And what's what's the like worst case scenario? You have to pay money. Like as a multi billion dollar organization, that's fine. You know, and and I don't think that's a big deal. Um, but yeah, and I think it is fascinating. You know, to consider that Dak could be among the highest earners in NFL history, given that he was on a fourth round rookie contract for four years. Um, but you know this this worked out really well for him and he he got the level of control he wanted and he's on a similar timeline now with the kind of core of the Cowboys Kellen Moore got a 3-year extension Dan Quinn got a 3-year deal uh well if the Cowboys do restructure Mari Cooper's contract as a lot of people anticipate that will put him on kind of a 2-year time frame with them CD Lambs obviously on his rookie deal and so I, I, you know, Dak's going to be here for the next wave of, of who the Cowboys are as an overall team, and so he is set up quite well. It's, it's really difficult, I think, to find another player who has won as much against his team in negotiations while not crippling the team um, like Dak Prescott has. Yeah, you know, you hear a lot of, when the, the cousins, the cousins deal is being similar. I mean, I think that,
0: I mean, the similarities are they're both later round picks, right? Um, both fourth round picks, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe their teams weren't fully sold on him for, for that reason, I think there's always this weird, like, you know, sunk cost that you have put into them. When you talk about Ezekiel Elliott, you talk about Amari Cooper, you talk about those guys. I mean, there was a sunk cost that they put into them to, to having to extend them. So that's Jalen Smith, too, as an early second round pick right. and someone who turned around. So there's that's part of it. Uh, but I do think when people say that, like, Dak bet on himself, I think that that is true. But at the same time, It's this dynamic that you were mentioning about rooting against your quarterback where in a ways you have the Cowboys and others are almost betting against their, their quarterback by not by not making this deal it's like they almost lost betting against dak more than i think dak betting on himself because if, if a team really wants to extend a quarterback after that third year it happens like they right. just get it done patrick mahomes it got done deshaun watson it got done if baker mayfield was playing well enough it'll get done like josh allen that will probably get done you know it's it, it, so it's almost like it's more i think on the Cowboys side than on dak's side for refusing these these contract offers that he was given
1: no, and, and to that point, I mean, if we rewind a year, or maybe, you know, 10 or so months, um, thir- you know, nine months, whatever it is, um, when he when he was July 15th of last year, when he's officially on the tag. So at that point, you know, on July 14th, you're you're the Cowboys, you're debating, okay, we're gonna send this dude into a franchise tag year where we're willingly giving him Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and now CeeDee Lamb. And we've extended <laughs> Blake Jarwin. So, like, what is like what's the what you know it, like your your two goals here are like seemingly to win the negotiations with Dak Prescott, but also to win the Super Bowl. And like those things don't marry and they don't merge. You know, if 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 the Cowboys had won the Super Bowl this past year for whatever reason, I mean, this this deal we're talking about would have been astronomical. I mean, this this deal is what it is with Dak Prescott not even playing five full games. And so it is insanely stupid in that, you know, capacity that they 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 didn't even like bet against themselves. They hedged against themselves and then number of different ways to your point with sunk costs as well. And so, I mean, it it's, it's fascinating that they operate that way, but this is who they are. I mean, they did a very similar thing with DeMarcus Lawrence as mentioned. And so it's, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, you know, we're all celebrating that that this is finally done, but it is troubling given that this is who this front office is. I mean, this is a, a situation. The Cowboys, to your, you know, you know this, had the most enviable financial situation of any NFL team from the moment they realized Dak Prescott was their starter. And they never took advantage of it. Like not once. I mean, they signed Cedric Thornton and, you know, Benson Mayoa and Nolan Carroll and Daryl Worley. And yeah, they took a swing on Gerald McCoy last year, and that didn't work out, unfortunately. But they they never got it and they still don't get it as, as evidenced by the fact that it took this long. I will give them credit for getting this done ahead of the tag deadline, but they should have gotten that done ahead of the tag deadline last year when they could have placed the tag on Amari Cooper or Byron Jones. You know, it's everything is a bit of a year too late for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and like I was saying earlier, the, they, the timing for this year, again, this is when the negotiate like this couldn't be a Zeke thing where they're going to let it play out to the end because if they create the cap space, they want to have that cap space. To, to to make sure they don't have to, you know, uh, um, release too many players. They don't have right. anyone they can bring in in free agency. Uh, so, so that's definitely a part of it. Um, what I think that I want to talk about when you talk about the Cowboys not being big spenders, I think sometimes there's this thing with free agency, and we've seen it. I've seen it out there a bunch of like uh, saying, you know, you spend in free agency, you lose in a way. And I think there's a little bit of a of a correlation causation reverse reversal going on here the cow i mean the cowboys have drafted well they've drafted Mm -hmm. well so they don't really have to go into free agency that much like you mentioned they let they let byron jones go they let a player like that go and they sign other people so in a way it's like if you're a losing team that's because you haven't drafted well so you don't have players to spend money on to re-sign them so you spend money in free agency which is not the best place to spend money but that's the reason you're spending money in free agency. I mean, the Jets have all this money to spend in free agency and they're going to spend free agents because they stunk at drafting. Right. And when they're bad, it's going to be because they really, because they stunk at drafting not because they're spending money on free agents and so on. So I think there is a thing here where the Cowboys, I, I, I'm not sure they aren't aggressive still. They've, they've just, they've drafted pretty well though. And had, and had the ability um, to, to sign their own guys and you know, they've they've done some gross, like I said, restructuring with Tony Romo's contract and some other things before that have that have gone poorly. So it'll be interesting to see how they can play it out going forward. And I think that's the question, right? Like, what is this team going to be? Let's just say for forget the fact whether Dak's taking up fifteen percent of the cap, twenty percent right. of the cap, whatever it ends up being. Like, is is this a team that can compete now in twenty twenty one? Um without having to nail every draft pick and every signing that they, uh, every guy that they happen to bring in on a pretty modest amount.
1: I think they are. And I think, you know, maybe this is just part of being the Cowboys. It's, it's a bit of luck. Um, you know, I think if, if the Cowboys were in the NFC West, I don't know that the answer is the same thing. Um, but, but the NFC East is terrible. Right. And, you know, I, I, I don't have any betting odds in front of me. I haven't gotten any emailed to me shockingly uh, yet, uh, but um but I mean, they're going to be the odds on favorites to win the NFC East, right? Like easily. And what's more is we now live in an NFL that features three wildcard teams. And so there's zero question that they're going to be a playoff team. What's more is they play in the weaker conference, right? I mean, certainly, I mean, they're, they're dealing with the, the Buccaneers who, you know, I think some, some lines of, of logic would say are probably going to regress to some degree in 2021, in, in the Packers. I mean, and, you know, I think you know, uh, I wrote something for blogging the boys that'll be out later on uh, on Tuesday afternoon. I mean, how many quarterbacks in the NFC over the life of Dak's contract would you take over Dak? Because Aaron Rodgers is the only one that I, I would confidently say. And even then, like, there's logic to taking Dak over him. If, well, if Aaron's like, them. what is
0: he? Thirty seven years old, thirty eight sure. years old, something like
1: that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's getting up there. So yeah, that's. I mean, I've, I've just as a Cowboys fan, I've learned not to bet against Aaron Rodgers. But certainly, if if you want to take Dak over him, I I can find logic to support that. And so, all that being said, I do think that they're in an era to compete now, and I think that's why this was so important to get done. You know, we um we talked to Emmett Smith on the SB Nation NFL show during the week leading up to the Super Bowl, and he said something that I couldn't believe he of all people said. Um, you know, people have said forever that maybe the Cowboys were were sort of you know. uh, You know, sort of stretching this whole thing out to stay in the news and stay relevant, and like Emmett Smith thought that, and you know, it's it's one (laughs) it's one thing for for us to think it, but you know, like for Emmett Smith to think it, really kind of. You know, troubled me a little bit and he, he also said that the longer this played out the longer it was going to be this question and every time any cowboy does any media appearance or whatever the case may be it has always been for two years now what is the situation with Dak and really if, if you think about it every off season for Dak and part of this has been the Cowboys has featured some level of controversy I suppose um, in 2017 Tony Romo retired so okay you're officially the dude also that was the Ezekiel Elliott suspension you know will they won't they back and forth forever for 2018, they released Des Bryant, they released or Jason Witten retired. Um, and Des certainly had some thoughts. And then ever since then, every offseason has been about Dex pending negotiations. And so this is now kind of, you know, coming above water for the first time in, in like four years to some degree. And so I think there's a sense of peace and I think that was really needed for this team that that really had a lot of their spirit broken without him last year and so now there's zero question there's zero doubt there's no more like awkwardness well he's in the building but he's not under contract whatever the case may be and I think that this was important for Mike McCarthy who I know you guys have have supported a lot as well because it it wouldn't have made sense you know and this I think does line up with can they can they have success now I mean they hired Mike McCarthy as opposed to say a Matt rule because they did view themselves as closer rather than further apart and so they bring in Mike McCarthy they extend Kellen Moore like all of their goals and their missions were lined up with a particular window in mind and so I mean I, I think and, and this is one way we've kind of put it to our audience as, as far as evaluating whether this was smart or not but the Cowboys if, if you had to design a path for them to win a Super Bowl in the next four years I don't think there's any question that that the best possible ones involve Dak as the quarterback
0: yeah. Finally, the 2021 NFL Draft Guide is out with 150 player profiles, everything you need to be on top of things well before we get to April when your team is on the clock. You can get it with an Edge or Elite subscription. Use promo code SUPERBOWL25 and get 25% off those subscriptions, and that promo code is active through Monday after the Super Bowl. That's 25% off an annual Edge or Elite subscription which includes the 2021 NFL Draft Guide with promo code Super Bowl 25 In these uncertain times, life is full of questions, like when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm looking here. Uh, I don't know if these are these are up to date. These might be a little bit old here. It looks like this, these are these are quite old. But yeah, yeah. The, the Cowboys are probably the odds on favorite here. I don't think they have posted it for this year, but um, it's, it's been on pause for a while. So that makes sense that they would be the favorite to win the division there. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I think got NFL fans in the NFL Um, is glad to see Dak Prescott back and not have to worry about uh, quarterback X uh, ruining our... Uh, uh, our late window of nfl right. games of which the cowboys dominate i mean the cowboys are a force yeah, it's weird to think the cowboys would need more attention like is there is there such a thing that seems like
1: a uh, uh, galaxy brain sort of sort of situation there to, to that point and and this was something I, I've, I've written a lot i'm i'm, I'm just living off of uh, diet cokes and, and chick-fil-a <laughs> at this point it's really it's, it's a lot of we, we were talking before we started recording this is so much fun like um yeah. i really do enjoy it but I I don't know if you remember this. Maybe some people forget. The Cowboys were flexed off of Sunday Night Football this past year. Their their game against the 49ers, uh, the Browns-Giants game was was chosen instead. That had never happened in the history of Sunday Night Football in its current form, um, NBC took over in 2006 and so i mean to that point i mean Dak is Dak is a necessary superstar you know like um this is like going to see wicked on broadway with you know Adina menzel absent for the night you know like you're, you're yeah. just like this isn't worth it you know and so um, no disrespect to any understudy and so in that sense they, they need, <laughs> yeah i don't think you know. they're listening to this part right well i know they're big pff fans uh, over right. uh at wicked but uh, but yeah and so i mean they really hit a low point like not just in in the football sense of it all but in that sense I mean they were forgotten about they were dismissed and a lot of that is that other teams really popped and there are a lot of other great storylines like the Browns but I mean without him they they do lack a a huge sense of of just kind of identity and so it, it I think it really has been important I wonder if you if you get time or if any of your listeners get time the first press conference he did at the beginning of last season at training camp I thought he just had such a command because there was obviously all the talk about him being on the tag and he just walked in with this different energy and and really he he's different in that sense. And I don't I don't like to fall too much into the just narrative of it all. But he really is a different person and, and diff- very different from any player I've ever seen or covered.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, I, I I talked about this a little bit, but maybe we can dig in a little bit further into what this means for the rest of the quarterback. So when you look at the the landscape and I mentioned you mentioned Jackson and what's going to be going on there, which is surprisingly Maybe not as much of a slam dunk as we would have thought for a former unanimous MVP. Uh, We have Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield there. I mean, what is your opinion on what these teams should do? I guess I kind of already show my cards a little bit that I think that they should extend if if they can. But then the question would also be at what price because it's tough to imagine that anyone can look at it and say – I mean, maybe you could have said versus Deshaun Watson that you know Deshaun Watson is a little bit better player, so I don't deserve that type of money. But we're going on, you know, a, a year after that that contract's been signed, and now we have Dak beating that contract. And I think someone like Josh Allen, whether it's true or not, might, can can point to the fact to say like, hey, I'm 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 a better quarterback than than Dak Prescott. Again, I'm not saying that's true, but I'm saying you could probably credibly make that argument, or at least amongst the fans and of the uh, the Bills will believe that.
1: Yeah. And I think even if they're not, I mean, you know, that's, that's the going rate. Like that's the way all this works. And in an interesting way, Dak, you know, Dak's negotiations I think were more from the Cowboys perspective related to the franchise tag values associated with him, not necessarily the quarterback market. But so in that sense, you know, Dak's deal has nothing to do with the quarterback market, but the future quarterback market will have everything to do with his deal. And so, I, I mean, I don't see any reason why, you know, and I think it's fascinating that Lamar Baker and Josh Allen are all coming off of their, their first playoff wins. And, and Josh Allen obviously had two and, and one of them was against Lamar. And so in that sense, I mean, you know, I would be, you know, really nervous, you know, and I've been nervous. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is awesome. Like I can't, I can't wait to watch this uh, from this vantage point, but I think the most pressing one to to take care of is clearly Josh Allen, obviously, but I could certainly make an argument for Lamar Jackson. I mean, you know, he's, he's got a, a, you know, a resume point that, that nobody else in that conversation does. And so that clearly is going to inflate and, and be a factor in his cost. And so I do wonder if, if there ever was a, a reasoning, because I think we both agree generally, if if you have a first round quarterback that has justified themselves as a franchise player after their third year, you would want to extend them. But given the diminished salary cap this year, I do wonder if there is some sense in logic to just, because you do have, two more years left on, on these rookie contracts, let alone a franchise tag situation. But I mean, I do wonder if there's logic in waiting one more year, but um, you know, I know the take is out there that Jerry Jones clearly must know something about the pending television contracts, which is why he felt so comfortable doing this. I mean, with that on the horizon, I would also want to beat that if, if I was any of these teams because the, the moment that that figure comes out and the moment the 2022 salary cap can be approximated in any fashion. I mean, the the reality for your client is going to go way, way, way up. And so I think they all deserve to get new deals. And I, I actually hope that that happens. And I think next year, Kyler Murray is going to get a new deal. And the year after that, Joe Burrow, like it's, it never ends.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get the difference there being these guys have that, have the, you have the fifth year option with, right. with, with these guys as first rounders. And that ended up being like really, really important if you think about it, because it was really this tipping point between getting from the first to the second tag that just, that unlocked everything and, and made it such a big negotiation. So if you have that extra year, Maybe there's some logic in that. I don't know if I buy the Jerry Jones knows what's gonna happen. We all know what's gonna happen. It's gonna go up. The deals are gonna be big, you know? Like right. they were they got, you know, they, they got they were in a bad spot. They're in a bad spot. I think that that's probably it more than more than anything else. I guess Baker would be the guy where I, I'm I I just don't know. I just don't know if anyone's gonna take a discount, a quote unquote discount sure. on this because this DAC contract, now that it comes in. Yeah, I mean it just – like you figure – it's just weird because – okay, so Patrick Mahomes. Let, let me talk about this for, for a second here. I I was arguing that I thought that Deshaun Watson's deal in, in ways was better than Patrick Mahomes' deal because of the fact that he's just not getting that much cash up front. I mean he was barely getting anything. He was keeping that cap hit down. I mean, I mentioned he was only getting about $60 million over the first three years of the deal to keep that cap hit down and eventually goes up. I mean, this Dak contract is way better than, than Patrick Mahomes' deal, and I just – like how quickly is the entire quarterback market going to turn over into being Dak contracts? Um, which is, it's just weird to think that the Chiefs somehow could be like in a relatively good contract position at, at at the quarterback position within a couple
1: of years. Yeah, and I think that that's a benefit of of the length of the extension as well. And I think you know that's in if you factor in the franchise tag value. I mean, Dak Prescott, you know, the thirty one million dollars last year, he got more guaranteed money than Mahomes for yeah. for five years of of service, so to speak. And so I I do think you know it is interesting in that. Uh, we both agree, and and I know the consensus is that Dak won. Dak got this great deal. Dak played it right, et cetera, But it didn't. It doesn't, you know, cripple the Cowboys. Like they have flexibility, and and some you know people are are pointing to the flexibility in the here and now, and you know that that's literally been the point all along, right? Like that's that's been the point. Like get it done now, and the sooner you have a long term agreement in place, the, the sooner you can you know extend things and spread things out. Like that's not like you know revelatory or anything. But the the voidable years are interesting and i do think that that's where the cowboys won in in that they have flexibility not that they pulled one over a but i do wonder if that's the archetype for future deals you know for the bills and the ravens and the browns so to speak hey we'll give you all this cash we'll give you all this money we'll give you all this guaranteed but we need those voidable years so that we can continue to build in the here and now and i think especially for those players because they're still on their rookie contract figures at least for the next two years while they're on their fifth year option before the financial figures from the extension ultimately kicks in
0: I mean, it's my understanding, though, with avoidable years that like I don't think there's a negative from a player perspective. I think you're they're just spreading out the 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 signing bonus hit over more years. So I think this year you're probably going to see it a lot more because you're specifically trying to lower the um, the 2021 number, which because of the cap being lower. So I could see that being utilized more I'm trying to think of when has been used before I guess does Brady have it on his deal I don't remember if he has it on his deal Wentz had it on his deal I think so it's normally teams that are up against the cap that are going to be using it
1: Right. I know um, the only one that comes to mind is, is just recently. I know Zach Ertz had some dummy years in his contract as well. Oh, uh, yeah. The Eagles were uh, doing that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So but again, a team that was kind of up against it in, in a salary cap situation as well. But um, in, in that sense, I mean, you know, I because I think quickly, you know, these teams will get there because they are in these situations where they can add. And, and I think that's where they and. I think we, we kind of, you know, things get lost, but I know, um, you know, the, the, bears have tagged Allen Robinson, but I mean, the bears went for it at least more than the Cowboys did under Mitchell Trubisky's, you know, rookie window. And that the Chiefs certainly went for it in signing Sammy Watkins. We know the Rams went for it. And so that was a, an avenue the Cowboys never explored. And so in that sense, I, I do think that it could provide at least the one potential path. Like there, there's no, there's no impossibilities, I guess, my point for Baltimore, Buffalo, or Cleveland to go for it. Now that if they do extend, and their quarterbacks because there is that room to kind of wiggle and get creative. Okay, now we, we talked about the NFC East a little bit. Maybe we can dig into it a little bit more here
0: because now with Dak in the fold, it really just comes down to the other teams don't have a quarterback. Basically, right. I mean Daniel Jones. Supposedly, he was given the dreaded vote of confidence today uh, <laughs> by, by by the Giants. So, um, but you know, are, are, is anyone really in the market to be able to go up and get a quarterback in this year, where every single team is being mocked a, a quarterback? There are some other options floating around, but it seems like Daniel Jones is going to be um, is, is going to be in New York, uh, in Washington. It's wide open, but. You know who will who will end up there? I don't know. Uh, the, you know, Ryan's just Patrick or something. Like, I don't know who's right. going to end up who's going up in in Washington. And then you, sk- you go over to Philadelphia, and the most recent news is that they want to build around Jalen Hurts, which to me is like a euphemism for maybe we want to just tank the season. But they're already right. pretty far up. Um, where are they? Seventh, I think they're drafting this year. Six? I think they're sixth. Yeah, sixth, sixth. So you know that that's in the neighborhood. And if if a Trey Lance or someone comes down to them, who knows? Maybe they end up pulling the trigger. I mean, are, is there any team that you look at and you say, you know, maybe that is the the biggest threat to the Cowboys going forward? Um, I mean, I guess I would say the 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 Washington, if they can if they can get someone in quarterback, would maybe fit that mold. But what do you think?
1: You know, it's interesting after the Thanksgiving Day loss that the Cowboys had to Washington, that you know, I know that they, they still ultimately bounce back when they beat, you know, Cincinnati. I know they still lost to Baltimore, but they, they re-entered the conversation after that. But but that was a really low point. Uh, On the season, and that was when I think a lot of people, you know, full on team tank, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, And in that moment, I had a conversation with uh, with my colleague uh, Brandon Lee Gotten from SB Nation's Eagles site, Bleeding Green Nation, and we talked about the NFC East as a whole because the Eagles were obviously in a downward trend as well. And we both, you know, we both picked Washington as the ideal winner of the division in the sense that it would keep them the furthest back from a draft position, because I do believe in the overall sort of general state of their roster. I do believe that Ron Rivera is no longer, you know, they don't have a disaster of a head coaching situation is is the ultimate point. And so in that sense, yeah, like I don't I don't see any practical option for them that makes them a true and legitimate threat. And even if you split the series against them, I mean, the, the fact I, I don't put a lot of stock into first place schedules, uh, but they will have to play the Packers where the Cowboys will play the Vikings. They will have to play the Bills if the 17th game schedule or 17th game does get added where the Cowboys will play the Patriots. Not that that's a, a walk in the park, but those things I think are, are relevant factors. Um, and so you know, I, even if they split that series, I, I don't see any way where the Cowboys wouldn't win the NFC East almost by Christmas. I mean that they, they do figure to be the, you know, heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. And in fact, like, is, is there a division? Because we both agree the Cowboys is there a division where the, the perceived favorite is is larger than the Cowboys in the NFC East? Because I would even argue that the Chargers present a larger threat just because of who they are to the Chiefs than Washington does to the Cowboys, at least in their current format with Taylor Heineken.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the Raiders have shown some competency. And right. the Broncos, um, I think they're another team where similar to – Washington in some ways right. where if they have just competent quarterback right. play they they can they can start to to do things and they have a great home field advantage there and everything else. So yeah, no, I think I think they're up there. I'm trying to think of where else. It's really tough because the AFC is now you as I said flip side of that quarterback question that you were you were talking about of who would you want in the NFC over Dak, and that's because you have all these guys in the in the AFC right now. Um yeah, so I I think that pretty it pretty clearly is the 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 largest leader of that of that team now w- what do the cowboys need to do though to solidify this team and move forward i mean you're going to hope that on the defensive side you're going to get some natural regression and you're like, you just can't be this bad <laughs> two years in a row, even with the same players, even with no improvement, you're going to hope that you get better there. But is, is that going to be the focal point? Because there's, again, there's like the offensive line has is, is been really the mainstay for them for a long time and whether or not that will need to be solidified and just say, for, forget the defense. We're, we're just going to hope we can bring in some players and, and put it together, piece it together, maybe have a better scheme fit than we did last year.
1: Well, I think the last point of help on offense that's necessary is, is swing tackle depth and the mm-hmm. Cowboys are in a unique position and that, you know, I guess both of their swing tackle candidates, Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele, while both young undrafted free agents, um, you know, got a lot of, Experience. I mean, it's it's a really rare thing that you have young, you know, experienced swing tackles um, on on a team. I think, and so that's that's a nice commodity. But still, I mean, if Rashawn Slater, Panayi will fall to them, I I I think a perfect world is is that they're both there. That some combination of that, or Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertain are there with the tenth overall pick, and they can trade down and, and build up some more assets, and and ultimately land a couple of of contributors. But defensively, obviously, they've moved on to Dan Quinn from Mike Nolan, and you know, kind of getting back to that scheme that made the Seattle Seahawks so renowned for so long. And, and that was the defensive scheme they ran in 2018 uh, under Chris Richard and Rod Marinelli that they did see them have success. And so, I mean, I think to your point, I mean, you, it's hard to just be that consistently bad. And so you should expect some positive, you know, sort of boost there. Um, and, but I, I think that, you know, they need points of depth. And I, I guess to go back to the point of aggression in, in roster building, that's where I think that they've gotten complacent. Um, you know, they, they relied, you know, they're they're we and we're kind of guilty of I guess falling into the hype of it all but they relied on Jalen Smith Leighton Vander and Sean Lee as, as their linebacking core and Jalen is this player who came off of an injury that that literally tested his ability to ever play football again and and was really poor in 2019 Leighton Vander has had his injury concerns ever since his incredible rookie season and Sean Lee has always been Sean Lee and so you know you can't just hope and pray that that's going to work out and that you're going to get 16 games from, you know, all of them. And it's all going to be great. I think in the secondary, um, I, I would love to see them bring back one of Chitabay Wuzi or Jordan Lewis. I would love to see them go add, you know, we have this conversation all the time people say, well, I would love them to sign Richard Sherman or Patrick Peterson and kick them out to safety. Why? Just just signed them to play corner, like <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you they you, they have Trayvon Diggs who really showed a lot of promise last year, obviously, and they have Anthony Brown who's a okay veteran. Um, but so, I mean, I think doing some, they, they could very quickly turn that really just spotlighted weakness into a point of somewhat durability. I think you know their defensive front, they've obviously got Demarcus Lawrence, who I think a lot of people believe in. Um, I, I will be interested to see if they let Alden Smith walk, but they do have Randy Gregory returning. They didn't play Bradley and Nye all too much last year, so they have these like. Projects. And then along the interior, I mean, Neville Gallimore played really well. I know he was a player that a lot of people were high on entering the draft process, and they landed him in the third round. Tristan Hill, their second-round pick in 2019, was really playing well before he tore his ACL in the same game that Dak Prescott was lost in. And so, I'll, I think another fascinating thing is whether or not they bring Gerald McCoy back. But they just need they like they need more than bodies, but they need bodies, so to speak. They need points of depth that they can legitimately count on because they don't have that. And so, you know. When, when when the plan is is compromised in any way, shape or form, so to speak, they're completely lost and they depend on Dak Prescott to throw them out of games. And and he's talented enough to at least make it interesting, but that's not sustainable. And that's why they end up playing down to the competition that even is the lowly NFC East.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, again, it was one of these weird things where Dak didn't play that well, but because they relied on him and he had to throw so much right. in the last season that, that his rep got to step up. So it was, it was really, it was really interesting. Well, Um, RJ, I think I'm going to let you go. This was fantastic. I, I appreciate everything that you're able to bring here to the discussion. I congratulate you. (laughs) <laughs> on not having to hear <laughs> months and months and months of this. And uh it's also nice, yeah, it's nice to be in that the NFC East because I'm telling you, you get into the playoffs, you get that home game week one, you know, you never you never know what can happen. So I think I think this should be a, a fun year for Cowboys fans.
1: Well, I appreciate you having me, and I agree. Um certainly excited and and again, that sense of peace that like the Cowboys aren't gonna ruin football for us, you know, like that. Cause that was <laughs> that was on the table for a little bit. Um and and I think, you know you mentioned it earlier but Dak is this sort of really well-liked player I, I don't know of many you know non-Cowboys fans that aren't at least you know admirers of who he is as a person and so I'm, I'm really excited to watch this does feel um this feels like a great like movie we've been like high, like when when episode seven you know was like first teased you know we had to wait like forever about it like I kind of feel like that and so I'm really really pumped about it uh, to get to watch this it, it's really unique um and I, I the Cowboys are showing some signs of competency so so I'm excited to see if that continues to evolve. Uh, but thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. With with Dak, one one last thing on Dak. I think Dak more than anyone else, probably in the NFL. I feel like. He could be the, the person you put out there and you say, do you like Dak Prescott? And you probably know more about someone than any other player in the NFL if you're going to say whether you're pro or, or anti-Dak. So this is a pro-Dak podcast, and that's, that's why we have you on and uh, continue to be a, a pro-Dak Twitter account too. And so, of course, follow you on Twitter at RJ Ochoa and then also blogging the boys. Thanks so much, RJ.